There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Dugout. I'm Pascal Amaya and Barney Corker is on the line again as we look back on a pivotal week of football action in England and across Europe. Barnes, we're going to start this week with last night's Europa League tie between Liverpool and Manchester United. Completely dominant performance from Liverpool. 2-0 winners in the end. Could have been more. Is it back to square one for Van Gaal and the Red Devils? It does feel like the way, that way a bit. Obviously, they, they went on that run of four consecutive victories. Two of them coming against Shrewsbury and Mitchell, which you expect to win. But then decent victories um, in the Premier League. Back-to-back wins for the first time since November, uh, since they got back-to-back wins in the Premier League. And suddenly, you know, they were back in the top four race and things were looking a lot brighter. But then... That defeat against West Brom and followed by the performance more than anything. The, perform- the defeat was obviously a tough one to take. They're still in the tie at 2-0 going back to Old Trafford. But the performance was the worst thing from that game because they just offered nothing really. And it, is, it's, it was such a huge occasion. Any match against Liverpool for Manchester United is a huge, huge occasion. But they didn't seem up for it at all. Liverpool were very much up for it. They were they were pressing hard. They were playing some nice football. Manchester United just never got going. They they didn't create a single chance in the game. The only hint of a chance was Fellaini late on with a header. Only had one shot on target, which was an easy one for Mignolet from a Schneiderlin effort. And aside from that, there was just nothing going for them um, attacking. And it was a similar story in the league at Anfield. But then on that occasion, they were able to nick um, a late goal, a bit of a smash and grab victory in the league. This time they didn't even they didn't even threaten that they they only had that one shot on target again. Liverpool were a lot better. Finally took a few of their chances. Though as you say, it should have been a lot more. And although United are still in the tie, they're so thankful to David de Gea for still for them still being in the tie because the amount of saves he made to deny Liverpool being four maybe even five up at the halfway stage of this tie was it was a fantastic performance from him. But he was the only United player who could really come out of that that match with any sort of credit. United, in the end, although they'd be devastated with the performance and the result, they'll still be pretty happy that it's not worse and that they're actually still in the tie because it was, it was a dreadful performance. Some saying it was a, it was the worst of Van Gaal's reign so far. I think, looking solely at the performance, it wasn't quite the worst of his reign so far. There's somehow been worse than that, but it was still a dreadful performance. And to come on such a big stage as well, even more disappointing. And they were rightly torn to shreds by the likes of Scholes and Ferdinand after the game because they were dreadful. Yeah, and I think certainly you have to you do have to wonder about De Gea and um, you know where where would United be the last couple of seasons if it wasn't for him? The amount of crucial saves he's made time after time, and I mean there was the one from that Coutinho shot last night. It looked you know it was an amazing save, but I'm not quite sure how Coutinho didn't score from there. He seemed to put it in the only place you know between the sticks which De Gea could actually get to and reach anywhere sort of even slightly higher or even near, nearer the near post, and that 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 should have been an easy goal. And you know the first goal there was a bit of. You know, contention about whether it was a penalty or not. Certainly, Memphis was a bit clumsy with the challenge, and you can see maybe it should have potentially been given outside the box. Was the contact? You know, it started outside the box, but then continued inside, and it was a slightly dodgy call. But even with even with that, you know, like you say, two nil. It's you know certainly flatters United. If anything, you know, it's Liverpool could have easily won uh, by a lot more than that. And yeah, just it's like you said that that defeat to West Brom at the weekend. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking after a few good results for United, whether they were, you know, back in you know really on the tails of the top four again. And 
where they're sitting in the Premier League now. You know, West Ham are looking so good at the moment, given uh, the result they had at Everton. They're, they're, they're now above United, and some of the teams below um, Man United, like Stoke, playing well as well, and obviously Chelsea on the up a bit in the league as well. And certainly for United, that performance last night, like so many people said after the match, you know, you could just see the desire from Liverpool's players, and you can see the direction that that club is going in under Klopp. But as for United, you know, if you can't even try really hard and do everything you can to try and get the best out of the result, then, then what's the point? Because you're just going to get outfought by every team, no matter who you're playing, really. Yeah, and there was an interesting point Rio Ferdinand made after the main where he listed some of the, the players United have let go, and we have to say that they are suffering from quite a long injury list at the moment, but still, the majority of the players on that list were far better than the, the current crop of players they got now. It's by no means a vintage, and... One of the strangest things about the whole night was Van Hal coming out after and saying Fellaini was one of the best players on the pitch. He's he's not Manchester United quality. He had another poor game, but he wasn't alone in uh, for the United uh, last night. He, the majority of the players, with the exception of De Gea, just offered nothing really. Smalling, who's had a decent season despite United's troubles, was at fault for that storage chance with that slip. He he didn't really uh, show the form he's been shown for the vast majority of the season. Rashford obviously burst onto the scene lately, but he was booked and then subbed off at half-time. He didn't make an impact. Mato had a fantastic record. I think it was eight goals in eight games. Uh, eight Contributed directly to eight goals in his previous eight games against Liverpool before the game. He offered nothing at all. It took a, a, a half-time tactical change from Van Hal to, to get a bit more control over the game. But even then, there was nothing going forward. And their best hope for, in the second half, really, was to hold on to just the one-goal deficit. Obviously, that didn't happen in the end, but Firmino getting the goal and... You know, it's just there's n- not really any positives to come out of that match for Manchester United. So hard to see any. And Van Hal, aside from his strange Fellaini comments, to come out and then praise the Anfield atmosphere, it's not mm. something. It's not something you really want to hear from a Manchester United fan. Certainly not something, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson would have ever said. And you look ahead to the next, the next upcoming game for United, West Ham in the UFA in the FA Cup. That's a really tough one. The second leg against Liverpool in the Europa League, which on the basis of um, the first leg. You know, there's going to be a really tough test for them, and then the Manchester derby in the Premier League, which is a huge match between two sides hoping to get the top four. So there's some, there's three massive, massive games coming up there. And considering they've lost two on the bounce already, they're going to need to improve massively if they get to get anything out of any of those games. Yeah, just back to your point about the atmosphere. They just seemed a bit um, naive from him to say something like that. Like he must know the history of this tie. This is, you know, probably the biggest rivalry in English football. Liverpool, Manchester United, two huge Northwest rivals, and for him to, you know, praise the Anfield crowd like that. You know, it was always going to be like that. the first ever European meeting between the two teams. Always going to be like that. And for him to make that kind of comment, I mean, obviously there's not much he's going to want to say after getting hammered like that. But to say something like that, it's just it's very silly. And now it was, it'll be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like, both in that West Ham FA Cup game and the return leg, uh, both at Old Trafford next week. Because certainly, you know, I'm sure the the crowd there at Old Trafford on Sunday for that uh, FA Cup tie, uh, the quarter final, they, they're going to really want to get behind the team. So obviously they want them to get through. But if they start slowly, and if West Ham say get an early goal, or if West Ham just you know go through and dominate the game, it's going to be a really sour atmosphere there. And you wonder what the state's going to be like for the return leg, and I don't know. Do you give them any chance of turning turning around the result um, in the return leg next week? Well, certainly not unless they improve unrecognisably from that first leg. Liverpool, as we know, probably their best performances under Klopp have come away from home, and they now and again really rise to the big occasion. That's another big occasion. They'll be so buoyed by that um, that two 0 victory and that performance uh, in in the first leg and. 
if if they perform the same way and just get about United and stop them playing, then there's no chance United are getting back into that because Liverpool, you'd, you'd probably back them to score at Old Trafford the way United are playing at the moment and the way Liverpool played in, in that first leg. So then United would be, need uh, to score four goals to go through and you can't really see that happening with United in this sort of form. Rooney's still out, Martial didn't offer much, Rashford, as I said, went off at half-time, Memphis was anonymous pretty much and matter the same. So... Th- if they're going to stand any chance, then it needs to be a completely unrecognisable performance from them. But the, the glimmer of hope for them is that the deficit is only 2-0. And if they are on form and Liverpool have one of their off days, which they're prone to doing under Klopp, they've been very inconsistent, then it's not uh, beyond the realms of possibility that they will win that match uh, 2-0 at Old Trafford. But they've certainly given themselves a lot of work to do. And Liverpool are the heavy, heavy favourites going into that second leg. It would be a surprise if, if Liverpool threw it away from this position, I think. Yeah, and I just think that because Van Gaal had always said how you know he was, he said the Europa League was really important because it offered them a good chance to you know qualify for the Champions League next season. But you know Liverpool, that, they don't play in the FA Cup this weekend. They obviously they lost to West Ham uh, earlier on in the competition, so it's going to be a really tough game for United. So Liverpool, they're going to be much better rested um, going into next week's tie and the way it's going. And after last night's result, you should probably say that even though the FA Cup doesn't get you into the Champions League, that get the way it's going that's a much more realistic chance of a trophy for uh, Man United now given that performance last night but uh, enough about them what about Liverpool you must have been pretty impressed with their performance you know one of the better displays under Klopp yeah certainly and it was good to see it come at home as well it was always expected to be a big atmosphere and it was a really good atmosphere to suit the occasion obviously you know, it was an it was a, an occasion and a, a fixture suitable for any stage to come in the Europa League it was, just, it was really a Champions League fixture but Klopp has Certainly, always back the Europa League and said it, it has the quality. Described it a minute as a mini Champions League before uh, before that first leg, and also really g'd up the Anfield crowd by describing this as the mother of all football games. And he really challenged the Anfield crowd to to spur the team on. And it did exactly that. It was there weren't many chances in the opening period for Liverpool, but they were they were on top. And that Sturridge uh, penalty, and then as we said, the Coutinho chance, which he really should have scored. Sturridge had another chance. Uh, Lallana flicked one towards goal. Um, all saved by David De Gea so it was a really good performance on the flip side United will be pretty happy it's only 2-0 the, the only negative really from Liverpool was that they should have this tied dead and buried you'd say at 3-0 certainly 4-0 is, it, it probably is game over at the halfway stage but uh, Liverpool couldn't quite kill it off they they really struggled to score that second goal in European ties so far this season and for a long time it looked like being the case again this time around that second goal is important though it's, it swings the, the tie completely in their favour and if they can put in a performance of a similar level, which are starting to do with a bit more consistency now than they were earlier in Klopp terrain, then they'll be pretty confident of going through. Yeah, and it came after you know that really, you know, last gasp win at uh, Palace in the Premier League as well. And you know that they're sitting there in the Premier League, you know, sitting there uh, seventh in the table, looking still quite good. Only six points behind the top four, but obviously uh, City. I know no, they don't have a game in hand actually, do they? Because they've both played in the League Cup final, so only six points behind City. There is still a chance they could get that top four and. I mean, it would need some incredible run in, in the last few weeks of the season to do so, but they are in with a shout, aren't they? They are, and as I, as I mentioned, their, their consistency is improving. They've won three Premier League games on the bounce now, which is the first time they've done that in 12 months. And whereas they don't have a game in hand over City, they do have a game in hand over Arsenal, and should they, they win that, then they'd only be um, a few points behind Arsenal. So the Gunners are certainly uh, not out of Liverpool's sights at all, and... Um, they're actually probably a bit more vulnerable to being caught than Liverpool because if Man City win their game in hand as well, then they'd move above Arsenal in the Premier League table. So there's certainly 
a, a chance there for them to catch the top four, particularly with the points the top four are dropping. You would say that West Ham are in, currently in a better position there, in in similarly good form to Liverpool and uh, United, obviously still above them in the league table, but only by three points. And Liverpool do have a game in hand, so they could cut that out. The goal difference is against them compared to all the other teams above them in the table, so it's still going to be difficult. But if Liverpool can keep up this improved consistency and put in some more good performances under Klopp, as we know they're capable of doing, because on their day they've shown that they're, they're capable of beating any team in the Premier League. They've beaten league leaders Leicester, they've beaten Man City twice. If they can put in more performances like that, then there's no reason they can't go on a run. And, and this season, if you can go on a real consistent run, stringing a few wins together, it can do wonders for you climbing the table, because there's so many points being dropped elsewhere on a regular basis by the usually bigger clubs. Yeah, definitely. So Liverpool completely dominant uh, against United last night, but uh, Klopp's former club Borussia Dortmund they were similarly, you know, superb uh, against Spurs. In you know, everyone picked that was a, a real gem of a tie. You know, uh, second place in the Premier League, second place in Germany. You know, it really looked like a great tie. But uh, Pochettino rested some of his key players. Deli Ali missed out to injury, and then Kane was on the bench. Uh, Eric Dyer on the bench. Dembele on the bench as well. You know. A lot of their key players, he rested, you know, and I mean, Robbie Savage on the commentary for the game, he was so critical of uh, Pochettino's team selection, just kept bringing it up over and over again. But I think for Spurs, you know, they really do have a superb chance to win the win, win the Premier League this season. So I, I can see where he's coming from. And I think he was just hoping to go there and, you know, maybe just lose one or two nil. But the way the way the game went, Dortmund were superb in that game. It was all over Spurs. Um, three in the end, it could have been a lot more. Some of the, the goals they scored, I mean, Royce's, uh, one of Royce's was particularly good, but... I think for Spurs, very obviously disappointing that they couldn't challenge at all in that game. There was one moment where they should have uh, they should have probably got a penalty when it was only 1-0. Um, but apart from that, there was, really, there was really nothing in that game. And a disappointing result for Spurs, but it just shows that their priority really is the league this season, isn't it? Yeah, it is the league. Um, and for good reason. They've, they stand their best chance of winning it in a long, long time. I think, as you mentioned, Pochettino would have picked that selection not thinking that it might lose 3-0. He would have hoped to arrest a few key players maybe escape with a, a 1-0 or 2-0 defeat and still just about be in the tie 3-0 it's really difficult for them and if you're going to sacrifice the Europa League you need to make it count in the Premier League so their game against Aston Villa is a big one this weekend and obviously you can't really wish for a, a, a kind of opposition right now in the Premier League than Aston Villa so maybe um, a, a Pochettino didn't really have to rest as many key players he did, mm. with you know Villa not the toughest test so it was an interesting decision. I, th- I think it's one that's backfired more than he would have expected. I don't think he would have picked that team th- just thinking, I'm sacrificing this tournament for the Premier League. He would have picked that team thinking, if I can get a good result with this team, then it stands us in good stead, both for the weekend and for the second leg next week. But it's, it's really difficult for them now. You'd probably say out of the ties, particularly if Dortmund play anywhere near the level they did uh, in that first leg, because they, yeah, as you mentioned, they were all over Tottenham for the vast majority of their game so it is you'd, you'd probably say they're out of it but could end up being a blessing in disguise if they go on and string a few wins together in the Premier League because they're right up there in the in the Premier League title race probably second favourites behind Leicester yeah definitely and so you know bad results for Spurs and obviously Man United as well and the other English team in European action this week was Chelsea and you know, everyone, everyone thought they had a decent chance against PSG, you know, losing the first leg 2-1, but they did get the away goal, but it was the same scoreline uh, back at Stamford Bridge to the French side, and they come out on top 4-2 in Arrogate, and I know you watched that game. What did you make of it? Was it a completely deserved uh, result for PSG? It was deserved in the end, but Chelsea did do pretty well. PSG, they started both ties really quickly, and 
you you you're really worried for Chelsea at the, in the first ten twenty minutes of both ties because PSG were just knocking the ball about so well, playing some really good attacking football, and looking dangerous every time they f- came forward. But after PSG took the lead um, the, in the second leg at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea responded so well, and some of their key players, Costa in particular, was he had a fantastic game. He just terrorised the f- the defence. Obviously, wound up a bit before kick off by. PSG referring to him as a fraud on their official website which was a, a strange move from them to wind him up because he's obviously that sort of player that can play a lot better when he's really up for the challenge so he he certainly was a threat but then his him having to go off on the hour mark through injury was a huge blow for Chelsea at that point they were right in the tie it was one all in the second leg only one goal separating them on aggregate and the next goal was absolutely crucial. If it came for Chelsea, it could have been enough to force extra time and perhaps penalties, which, as we know, anything can happen from there. If it came for PSG, that was tie over. And in the end, it did come for PSG. Ibrahimovic got it, scored in both both legs to further um, dispel the myth that he's, he's no good against English teams. <laughs> and it's just, you know, there, again, there are positives to come out from that match against Chelsea. They did a lot better than many people would have expected them to do over, to, to do over the two legs, considering the form both teams have been in domestically this season but PSG in the end were just too good for them they deserve their victory and you know it's going to take a good good team to knock PSG out of this season's competition if they get a kind draw in the quarterfinals then they could be in the semi-finals for the first time since the Qatari investment which is certainly progress and that's what they're after on the European stage yeah definitely and it was it was a very tough draw for Chelsea wasn't it you know PSG uh, coming second in their group to Real Madrid and when you see some of the, you know two of the other ties that there was in midweek, you know you had Benfica, Zenit, and Wolfsburg and again. I was on both those games, and uh, whoever the you know the other six teams uh, who go through, they'll all be hoping to draw either of those teams. I mean, Ghent were by far the weakest team uh, left in the last sixteen. They did, they did really well to get through their group in the end, Ghent, but uh, Wolfsburg they weren't great in either of those games, but you know just they, they came out on top four two in aggregate as well and. Yeah, not great quality from either of those. Apart from uh, Julian Draxler, he he's, he really played well in both of those games for Wolfsburg. But as for Benfica, it was a bit of a weird tie against Zenit. You know, it looked at one point like Zenit it was going to go to extra time. Zenit were leading one nil, uh, like the scoreline was in the first leg. But then Benfica got the away goal and that killed it off. And then in the end, they got another one right at the end as well. But they didn't look particularly strong. Jonas, their striker, he's having a great season. He's got twenty eight goals, I think. But he he looks like the only real star player in that side. And uh, certainly, either of those two, you know. So anyone else would really want to draw them and the only other team uh, to go through this week was Real Madrid and they came through 4-0 against Rome and that was a decent result for them and obviously they're one of the favourites Yeah and it was a difficult test against Rome because they were having an okay season in Syria themselves and it wasn't going to be straightforward obviously everyone considered Real Madrid to be pretty heavy favourites for that one but it wasn't a straightforward tie certainly not compared to as you mentioned those four other teams they, they could have got so a good victory, a solid victory for Real Madrid in enhancing their, their status as one of the favourites for this competition. If they get um, Ghent or Wolfsburg, uh, uh, sorry, if they get Wolfsburg or Benfica in the next round, you expect them to cruise through that. And they're certainly one of the contenders. I would put PSG probably in the, sa- in the same group of them. For me, it's Barcelona and Bayern Munich as the top two in that order. And then there's a little uh, cluster of teams, you know, PSG, uh, Benfica, Juventus, if they can get past Bayern Munich, which is not looking like, like they can do. And you know, Atletico Madrid in there, maybe Man City in there. So there's quite a big cluster just behind those top two for me. I think Real Madrid might just be at the top of that cluster. PSG not too far behind though, because I was quite impressed with them. But certainly a decent result for Real Madrid and 
they could be drawn against some big teams in the in the next round. So it'd be interesting to see what happens if they if they do get drawn against them because they haven't been too great in in La Liga so far. They've had some really good results under Zinedine Zidane, but he's still pretty inexperienced. So if, if that comes up as a as a huge European tie against anyone anyone really, but uh, Wolfsburg or Benfica, then it's going to be a really difficult one for them to get through. Yeah, you'd certainly expect Atletico. I mean, it's nil nil that tie against PSV, but. I mean, they didn't get an away goal there, so if PSV can score at the uh, Vicente Calderon, that be- would become very interesting. But we all know that Atletico, their defensive record, especially at home uh, under Simeone, is usually very good. And as for the other three ties next week, you'd say two of them uh, are, are already over, really. The Barcelona uh, against Arsenal, they're 2-0 up after that win at the Emirates. And I mean, if Arsenal, it would be one of the biggest upsets in European history if they can pull that off. As for Man City, you know they went and won 3-1 uh, in Kiev and they'd be very confident coming home uh, with that scoreline. So you'd expect Barcelona and Man City to go through from those ties. But as for the other one, uh, Bayern Munich and Juventus, two all, that looks really finely poised. And sounds like you, you'd probably just favour Bayern in that one because they're coming back home. Yeah, I'd certainly favour Bayern. They, in the first hour of that match, I said a couple of weeks ago, they just made Juventus look so ordinary. They were It was a fantastic performance for them, but Juventus will take a lot of um, optimism from that final half hour where they scored two goals to level things up. Obviously, the advantage is in Bayern's favour. They've got two away goals. It's going to take a big, big effort from Juventus to do it, but Bayern Munich, they have been stuttering a little bit in the league of late. They lost their 100% home record in all competitions recently, I think, so it's, it's certainly probably the, the the most appealing of all the ties for next week probably the most appealing of all the ties in the last 16 altogether it's certainly not dead and buried just yet Juventus show that they've got real character and fighting spirit to come through and equalise in that first leg and they show that they've got the tools to hurt Bayern Munich should Bayern get a bit complacent as well so it's not dead and buried but for, after that first hour performance I've, I've, I don't think I've ever really seen a good, a really good team like Juventus be made to look so ordinary by, by the quality of another team than it, they were in that first hour. So if Bayern can replicate that performance with their home advantage, you know, it's, I, I can see them going through relatively comfortably. Although Juventus, they won't make it too easy for them. Um, so this week's results, nothing's changed for you in terms of you're still picking Barcelona to win the whole thing. Yeah, still picking Barcelona. Obviously, can't see them getting knocked out by Arsenal, Bayern Munich. I think. Are probably in that second favourite lot, but you know Real Madrid and PSG certainly in the mix as well. For me, Barcelona have to be favourites though. There's just no stopping them at the moment, domestically or, or in Europe. Can't really see any any defence in the world which could stop that front three. And then just throughout the 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 rest of the team, they've got quality with like of Busquets, Iniesta as well. Just unstoppable for me at the moment. Yeah, and as for the Europa League, you'd certainly say. I mean, Dortmund. I think they were the favourites before. Uh, you know, the uh, first legs of the last sixteen last night, and you know, beating Spurs three 0 in the way they did. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. They'd certainly be favourites now for the Europa League as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, Liverpool would fancy their chances after that performance. And a Liverpool Dortmund game with both teams mm. played like that would be 
a pretty tasty tale, particularly obviously with the subplot of Jurgen Klopp going back to Dortmund. So that would be a really good one. I'd probably put those two on the basis of their performances in the la- in, in the last 16 first legs. Probably put those two as the favourites right now. But there, as, as we mentioned already, there are a lot of good teams left in the competition. Villarreal got a really good uh, 2-0 victory over Bayern Leverkusen in the first leg. Bilbao yeah. got a 1-0 win over Valencia. Shakhtar Donetsk can't be discounted. They look like going through after beating Anderlecht 3-1. So a lot of good teams. And now I'd probably put Dortmund just above Liverpool and then the rest of them. But there's certainly a, f- a few contenders to win that title. Yeah, so many of the Spanish teams still there as well, isn't there? You know, like you said about well, either Bilbao or Valencia is going to go through there. Villarreal, that was such an impressive result, uh, being by a 2-0 like that. And then you've got Sevilla as well, because he won it the last two years. They, got, they drew 0-0 in Basel and... Uh, they'd be very confident going back home for the second leg. But um, enough about the European football. There's been some uh, breaking news since we started recording, actually, uh, in the Premier League. Uh, Newcastle, they have sacked Steve McLaren uh, in the last sort of 10, 15 minutes or so. What's your initial reaction to that news? Yeah, I don't think it's much of a surprise, really, is it? They've been in pretty dreadful form, and it's been the case all season, really. He's, there's been a lot of talk from him that a win's just around the corner and they need to. they're, they're not too far away from really clicking. But then recently a run of poor form I think is five defeats in the last six games and then yeah. the last one particularly disappointing at home to Bournemouth 3-1 it was more it was, it was a more defeatist McLaren really in the press conference said if we play like that then we're going down and labelled them as relegation material so it was, it was he has got a bit defeatist over the last uh, few weeks and obviously the crowd were, weren't happy particularly with that Bournemouth defeat it's not a surprise to see him go it's, I, I I did tip him to do quite well at the start of the season. I'm surprised he struggled so much, but you know, obviously Newcastle thought they need to act quickly because it's it's not that long till the end of the season. There's never been a worse time to be relegated from the Premier League with the money coming in next season. So they need drastic measures. And some of the names in the frame, I mean, I, I can't understand really for the life of me why Rafael Benitez is in the running to go from Real Madrid to this Newcastle side. It seems mm-hmm. madness really for him. I if he's really interested in it I can't really see a reason why unless he really wants to get it back in the Premier League so far but even then it might not last long he's got a big uh, task on his hands to, to save them from relegation you'd back him to do it with his experience and with Newcastle having a game in hand with only one point to safety but it's a strange job for them to take on and I think David Moyes would be probably a more likely um, option so it'll be interesting to see who they go for in, in place of um, McLaren but not really a surprise to see McLaren gone no, I think, well, judging by all the reports the last couple of days, it does seem that Benitez is their first choice and by all accounts it seems that talks are an advanced stage. And I mean, it's certainly for a club like Newcastle sitting down there, 19th in the Premier League, three defeats in a row. If they can get someone of Benitez's experience, I know uh, when he was a Liverpool boss he used to sing his praises and say he was the you know the best coach in the world and <laughs> I'm not sure if that's true anymore, but it certainly would be a, a, a some achievement for Newcastle if they can get him. And like you said, they're still not out of it, but... You know that defeat to Bournemouth last weekend, where it leaves sort of the bottom three, and you know, you know, with um, Swansea beating Norwich in the other sort of big game at the bottom there, it really that sort of three-way dogfight we talked about last week, it really has sort of intensified. Now you've got Sunderland twenty-five points, and then uh, Norwich and Newcastle in the bottom three on twenty-four. I mean, we said last week it was a you know a three-way race, and it, now you'd say it's even more so, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. It, it, you'd probably say Swansea and Palace are out, out of danger. Palace obviously on a pretty bad slide, but. They, they did well enough over the first half of the season to get themselves out of trouble and it's not just the points gap and it's, it's the fact that the teams really who were in the uh, towards the relegation zone the likes of Bournemouth West Brom all the way up to 11th now Swansea as well they're, they're, they're picking up regular points Swansea got back to back victories Bournemouth back to back victories West Brom unbeaten in four 
and compared to the form of the, the that trio of Sunderland, Norwich, and Newcastle, you don't really see any chance of them. Obviously, none of the none of the teams are gonna in the bottom half are really gonna rest fully until they reach that forty point forty point mark, or you know, mathematically they are safe. But I think they can rest pretty easy because Sunderland Sunderland are the only really team who look like picking up points at the moment in that in that um, that trio of teams. They've got back to back draws. They're not winning games, but crucially, they're picking up points where the likes of Norwich. And Newcastle aren't picking up points. Newcastle lost three in a row. Norwich in absolutely dreadful form. The worst of those three. So mm. I, I think it is a three-way battle. Obviously, Villa already down and out for us. Um, I think it is a three-way battle between those. And that Newcastle announcement is it, it could be a bit of a game changer because before that, I might say Sunderland had the had the edge and I'd back them to stay up. But Newcastle, depending on who they get in, you, you mentioned my feelings on Benitez. There, I think he was. As as a cup manager, I don't think there was any better, particularly during his time as Liverpool. To get that Liverpool team to win the Champions League was an incredible achievement. To get them to the Champions League final again two years later, regularly in the latter stages of the Champions League, you know, compared to what Liverpool are doing nowadays, fantastic achievements from him. And Newcastle have said that they've got ten cup finals left this season, and if Benitez can shore them up tactically, then they've they've got the quality to stay up. They've got the likes of Ronaldo, uh, Shelby. We've said it before. They've got. Sissoko, they've got a few goals in their team. They've got the quality if they can shore up defensively, which Benitez should be able should be able to let them do. I think the Real Madrid job was a bit bit big for them, a bit big for him in the fact that everyone expected attacking football from from Real Madrid rather than his tactical nous, which shores things up at the back before uh, going on to win the game at the other end. I think that that will be very important for Newcastle if they can shore things up at the back then. That's the first step for them picking up points, and I'd, I'd probably if they do get Benitez in, I'd probably put Newcastle just ahead of Sunderland and Norwich to stay up. Yeah, it's a pretty sad state of affairs. Some of the teams down. I mean, we saw Villa they released their accounts for last season early this week, and the amount of money they you know the, the player wage uh, account it was way up this year, and their pre-tax loss was about twenty-seven million. It just really shows how not to run a football club, and then. You see, like teams like Newcastle, like we always say, we think they've got you know a lot of quality players there, but the team just isn't being managed well. And when you compare that to a team like Bournemouth, who you know that you know they've spent some money themselves, Bournemouth, but you see the way they play football under Eddie Howe, who looks like a very promising young manager. It's just it's two completely different ways to go about running a football club. You've got a tiny club on the south coast there that you know it's very small stadium, but they they run the club well. They've got a great manager who plays exciting football there, and you compare that to some of the stuff you see from Newcastle especially in that game against Bournemouth last week just two completely contrasting styles and one how to do how to do a football club right and then one how to do it completely wrong yeah and there's quite a few examples of that in the Premier League this season the likes of Bournemouth you mentioned Watford you put in that category probably after promotion Leicester certainly right at the very top they mm. they haven't spent obscene amounts of money by any means even West Ham haven't spent too much certainly in comparison to the teams around them in the table and it's just well run football clubs being coached well and it's certainly working for those teams and you wonder why because Newcastle they are a big club with the stadium they've got the fan support they've got their huge club in terms of of that swell of support they've got obviously not in terms of trophies they haven't won anything for a long long time and they've been struggling really for a long long time as well they haven't been amongst the, the top teams in the Premier League for, for a while now so there is certainly the base for them to improve and become a, a, a force in English football again but it just doesn't seem to be there's there's nothing right going right at the club really off the pitch and there hasn't been for so long probably since Mike Ashley took over obviously there's been huge uh, protests by the fans to try and get him out but 
something needs to change there because they're, they're too big a club and they've got too big, uh, too good a squad to be down there and certainly to be relegated this season. I think something needs to change and they've gone for a change of manager, but it might take a bigger change than that because they've tried that before in the past and it hasn't worked. Yeah. Certainly, well, it does look very, very close down there. But as for the top of the table, Leicester last weekend, they extended their lead at the top. Uh, Mares scoring that cracking goal to uh, to get the win over Watford. And that, I mean, they, they knew they had the chance to extend the lead there because earlier on that day, it was Spurs and Arsenal in that North London derby. That was a cracking game, that one. And certainly one which Arsenal didn't play too too well in, but they had the lead. Uh, they were looking quite comfortable in. Coquelin got that ridiculous uh, red card. So, so stupid for him to slide in like that and... Spurs then, you know, dominated the next few minutes. Got two quick goals. The second one from Harry Kane, I thought, was an absolute stunning goal. One, definitely one of the goals of the season. The way he took it on from that angle was just ridiculous. Such, such a good goal, uh, I thought. But certainly for Arsenal, it's another, you know, no winning three in the Premier League now. Just one point out of a possible nine. They're eight points behind Leicester. Is that? I mean, as for Arsenal, do you think there's any chance they can they can catch Leicester? There's still a slight chance, just because Arsenal always have the ability to go on one of these runs and. Their victory over um, Hull City, I think, was a really impressive one in the FA Cup because Hull, mm. they're flying high in the Championship. They'd only lost once at, at home all season and had a fantastic defensive record at home. And it wasn't the, the greatest performance from Arsenal, but they were so clinical, which is something they've been lacking at times. So to go there and win 4-0, really, really impressive result. They were at Watford in the FA Cup this weekend. So if they can continue that, then maybe they might be able to go on a run. And as I mentioned, they're, they're capable of doing that. And if they can string a few wins together, then they might be able to haul in a Leicester side who for every game now is pretty nervous they, they've passed pretty much every test so far but right now it's they're scraping one nil wins a draw here and there rather than the scintillating football we saw uh, for much of the season so it is going to get tougher for them obviously Leicester's fixtures are the kindest of the teams up there they've got Newcastle at home this weekend which even with Newcastle's new manager should they have someone in by then you'd expect them to win then Palace and Southampton in the next two after that and then Sunderland and all those three teams in pretty poor form so Leicester they've got the advantage of fixtures and it would take a, a, a bit of a collapse from them but there's no telling whether they will collapse just because they've never been in the position before really and Arsenal I'd, I'd probably put them right now fourth favourites for the title because Man City have that game in hand which could take them above Arsenal Tottenham I'd, I'd certainly put above Arsenal in, in the favourite state but I don't think they're completely out of the title race so far. It's going to take a big, big turnaround for them to claw, uh, claw back at Leicester, though, I think. Yeah, and considering where we were, you know, when Arsenal got that last-minute winner against Leicester uh, last month, and for them, for us to now say, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with you on that, that they are the fourth favourites now. It's such a, a poor run of results, really, uh, for the Gunners from then. And obviously getting a draw at Spurs at one of the rivals wasn't the worst result but it was the two before that really wasn't it you know that defeat to Manchester United and then the one to Swansea that's what's uh, well, probably going to end up costing them at the end of the season and it just looks the way it goes like you said the FA Cup you know great result there at Hull but it just looks the way uh, it seems at the moment uh, that it's going to be a, nut, a similar season to the last two maybe go on and win the FA Cup but Champions League they're not going to beat Barcelona uh, next week Premier League you know the, the way it looks at the moment West Ham they look so good um, and even Manchester United is still not that far behind Liverpool like you said still might be in it there's, there's a real danger now that you know they really they really need to be careful about not losing that top four place and that would be considering where they were like we said last month it would be so so bad from them wouldn't it if they dropped down out of the top four yeah that, for me that has to be their number one priority right now uh, even ahead of the FA Cup, as you mentioned, Champions League can pretty much be discounted now because they're not coming back against uh, Barcelona. But for their main priority has to be finishing in that top four. Something obviously they've managed to do for a, a, a lot of seasons in a row so far. So if they don't manage it this season, and if if they don't improve their Premier League form, 
then there is a danger of that because you mentioned that chasing back are picking up points and Arsenal are dropping points you mentioned the two-all draw against uh, Tottenham there's a lot of talk about Arsenal's character after that and coming back with 10 men and rescuing a draw but to be leading at White Hart Lane and then as you mentioned stupid stupid red card for Coquelin I thought that showed a bit more uh, naivety than it did character to to have not gone on and won the game they would be pretty happy in the end to have got away with a draw but at one point they they looked like getting the win they perhaps should have got the victory so you'd probably say neither them or Tottenham came out particularly happy from that game Leicester were the winners from that match so Mm. Another interesting twist in the title race, but yeah, Arsenal's main priority right now has to be top four because if they miss out on that, then you'd have to say it's got to be the end of the road for Arsene Wenger. Really, you look at all the other teams in there who have underperformed this season. There, we either expect them to have a change of manager at the end of the season, or they have already had a change of manager. So, if Arsenal's stuck, uh, stuck by Wenger, should he miss out on the top four? You know, then there'll be a lot of questions asked by Arsenal fans. Yeah, but you do wonder who might come in uh, for Arsenal if if he did go, because I mean, certainly I, I can't imagine there's many. Well, you think about all the really top candidates; they seem to be going elsewhere. I mean, when we were talked about Van Gaal and him going, and it's probably going to be Mourinho uh, going to Old Trafford. But apart from that, you wouldn't really see um, too many potential candidates there to go uh, to Arsenal. But uh, manager certainly doing well at the moment. Slaven Bilic, like we said about that West Ham result, that was such a good win uh, at at Everton and. Everton now they've got a massive game again this weekend at home against Chelsea in the FA Cup who would you say is favourite in that game it seems like a really tough game to call yeah it is a tough game I, I can see goals they're usually goals between them obviously in January when they met it was that 3 or one with Funes Mori scoring in, in, uh, to make it 3-2 to Everton in the 90th minute and then John Terry deep deep into injury time flicking home from offside and there's always goals it always seems to be an entertaining game there was a 6-3 at Goodison Park not too long ago in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago it's a really interesting game, but Everton, they're just, they can't seem to hold on to leads at the moment, particularly at home. And that 3 2 defeat to West Ham was just, it would have been devastating to be 2 0 up. It looked like being such an impressive result 2 0 up, you know, uh, down to 10 men, but still managing to beat a West Ham side in really good form. And they had the chance to go 3 0 up with Lukaku's penalty as well. Obviously, you missed that. And then the collapse in the final 12 minutes to concede three goals. Mm-hmm. So, so disappointing for them. And it's the latest disappointment of what has been a pretty tough season for Everton fans because at times they've looked like world beaters. And at times they just, just haven't, it's been like that West Ham game, just haven't been able to hang on to it at all. I think for the FA Cup game, I make Chelsea just about favourites just because Everton are generally better on the road. Gus Hiddink domestically has been uh, unbeatable so far. He's, he's gone a record, I think it's 12 Premier League games at the start of his reign. No other Premier League uh, manager has gone that at the start of his reign unbeaten. FA Cup, he's never lost a game, won the FA Cup with them back in 2009, beating Everton in the final actually. So I'd make them favourites for that. So um, it's, it's, it is going to be a, a good game, one of the picks of the picks of the round for sure, but... I'd back Chelsea to go through that, particularly as now they've got nothing else to fight for, really. Premier League is only pride. They're not going to get back into the European race, out of the Champions League. Um, if, they, if they can bounce back from that Champions League disappointment, then I'd back them to go um, and win that match. Yeah, but I, I, you'd probably say the same about Everton, wouldn't you? That's that's all they've really got to play for this season now. I mean, they're certainly not going to go down Everton. and It's just amazing when you look at the table and you think Everton, you know, 51 goals, only Leicester and uh, Man City have scored more than that with 52 this season. They've scored so many goals, like you say, but too many draws and um, just sitting there down in 12th, when you compare that to some of the results they've had, they really should be a lot higher. And you, you think that West Brom are now above them um, after that win they had against Man United last weekend. 
so disappointing for Everton. But then on the flip side, you know they've got this new uh, majority shareholder, forty nine point nine percent of the club he's bought, and there's there's promise of investment in the summer, and it, it seems like if anything in recent weeks, even though uh, the results haven't been great, and obviously they're not looking great in the table. Uh, the, the mood does seem better because they know they've now got this new money coming in and it, it could be a very uh, bright summer ahead. Yeah, particularly if they're able to keep hold of those three key players, Lukaku, Barkley and Stones, those, that youngster, uh, that young trio, if they can keep hold of them, then they can really build a team around them, I think. They, there's definitely promise for Everton. You mentioned that goal tally there. That shows that they're capable of a lot, lot more. I think the big question about the, the new investment is whether... Uh, Martinez is going to be there to oversee it because there's a lot of Everton fans who are pretty fed up with Martinez's reign now and it, there's reports that even the squad is starting to lose faith in Martinez after that uh, defeat to West Ham so it's going to be interesting to see if he stays there but the investment is is key and it comes at a key time for Everton because they've got they've got the makings they've got the, the skeleton of a of good really good team now that could start challenging for Champions League football but they need to sharpen up in a few areas but you've got Lukaku still young fantastic form he's been in this season Barkley's still young obviously Stone's still young so they've got something to build on there and if they can add to that in the summer and keep that trio of players um, with this new investment then brighter times have got to be ahead for Everton Yes, yeah, certainly. So that's a, that's a really tough game to call. But as for the other three uh, FA Cup quarterfinals, you've got Reading against Palace on Friday night, and then then on Sunday Arsenal Watford followed by uh, Man United against West Ham. Um, just pick three winners from those ties. I think the Reading Palace one is a very difficult one to call. Obviously, Palace Premier League Reading Championship, but Palace are in dreadful form at the moment. The, the one benefit for them over the last few months has been their FA Cup form. They've beaten Tottenham in the last round, which was a very impressive result. So. I'll probably just about give them the edge there, but Reading got a real chance to get through that and get through to get to Wembley now for second time in quick succession, obviously, after mm. getting there against Arsenal last season. So that one is a tough one to call. I'll probably just shade Palace there. I'd shade Chelsea uh, in the Everton game. Arsenal, I've, I've always got to back them at home, really. I think they're, they're very good at home, particularly in the FA Cup, where you know, they're, they're looking to break a, uh, equal the record now for amount of consecutive rounds reach I think is 16 that it would be if they get through to the semi-finals this season having obviously won at the last two seasons so I'd back them at home and then United West Ham that's a real difficult one to call United mm. it depends it depends how it's so difficult to tell with United they can pick up the good victories and now and again it's been the FA Cup which has helped them in that respect but uh, I saw a tweet after the match saying uh, after the match last night saying where does Van Hal go from here? Because he's got no low, no more lower league teams to face to save his job, and that has <laughs> been the case on a few occasions. It has been victories over the likes of a Shrewsbury or perhaps a Michelin in Europe, where they perhaps saved his job. And that's it's it's not as easy as that against West Ham. West Ham in really good form, obviously both challenging for Europe in in the Premier League, but it's a huge, huge FA Cup game because West Ham, they haven't lifted the FA Cup for a long, long time and it'd be pretty special to, to leave Upton Park with an FA Cup victory. United haven't lifted the FA Cup since 2004, which is far too long for, for, for a club of their size who've won it so many times in the past. So that's a really difficult one to call, but I think I might just go for West Ham to edge that one. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think West Ham, they'll be full of confidence going into that game. They haven't had a, a midweek game like United have got. They've got so many players on great form at the moment. I'd say West Ham probably start that I'd say they start as favourites there. they've got nothing to fear they've, they've had so many impressive away wins this season like they did at Everton last week and uh, I certainly think West Ham are the team to beat in that one and as for the Premier League you know Arsenal in FA Cup action but the rest of the top four they all they all play this weekend none of them left in the FA Cup and you'd say Man City away at Norwich 
like we said, Norwich, they're in really bad form. You say City, big favourites there. Spurs, like we said earlier, they go to Villa, who bottom of the table, and almost they, they almost seem to know they're down now. There doesn't seem to be any belief there at all uh, for Villa. And then the other one is Leicester, who host um, you know, and the other sort of team in the bottom three, Newcastle. So the, 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 the three top four teams that play all play against teams in the bottom three. And would you back you back all three of those to win? Yeah, I think you got to. The form book says so. City obviously had that recent poor run, but then bounced back against Villa with that 4-0 win and Norwich in their sort of form. Can't really see past City to win that one. Villa, it all depends on whether Tottenham can handle the occasion. As I mentioned earlier, there's no better team to face in this occasion than Villa, so you'd have to back them. The, the, the biggest question mark for me is the Monday night game between Leicester and Newcastle. Obviously, it will come under the lights at the King Power Stadium, so the hosts will be very much up for it. But if Newcastle do have a new manager in there, there's always the danger of, of the players raising their game when the new manager comes in. So that'll be interesting to see. And if you know there's going to be a draw in any of the in the, any of those games. I'd probably see it being in Leicester versus Newcastle, but you still make them favourites, and I certainly can't see any of the bottom three get picking up a win from those games. It's it's, it's a round of fixtures which you'd, you'd probably say has got three more or less bankers in there, and certainly a, a round of fixtures which Arsenal won't be too happy to see not in action themselves. They could lose ground on the three teams around them in the table, so it could end up being a pretty costly weekend for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, if they lose to Watford as well, and those three teams all win, it'd be such a blow. Uh, to Wenger and you know there was that banner uh, in midweek that said you know uh, thanks for the memories Arsene but I think it's time to go and th- th- those they're only going to get louder those voices from the fans and I don't know it looks like it should be a really good weekend Premier League uh, FA Cup and then you've got Champions League Europa League next week we've got it all covered on sportsmall.co.uk uh, so make sure you head to the website for live commentary on all the big games this weekend and next week Barnes thanks a lot for this week um, we'll be back again soon see you then <laughs>